Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I am your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. This show is usually live every Tuesday evening from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, but my first announcement for the evening is that that will be changing as of this weekend. A big announcement here for the What on Earth is Happening radio show uh, Oracle Broadcasting will be picking up the show for all two hours, and I will have uh, a show going on on their network every Sunday evening from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. So I will no longer be broadcasting on Tuesday evening, but instead the show starting this Sunday, starting uh, this Sunday, which is May 1st, very uh, appropriately for those of you who understand what that means. Starting on Sunday, May 1st, this show will go live on Oracle Broadcasting all two hours, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. So that's the first big announcement for the evening. Um, <clears throat> we have a good show lined up for you here tonight, folks. We're going to be continuing our breakdown of the symbolism of the esoteric tradition of Freemasonry. And we have been focused on Freemasonry as part of, I guess you could call it the, uh, the learning series here on what on earth is happening when I just break down uh, topics um, or occult traditions. And we had been looking at Freemasonry for a few weeks before I diverged into um, kind of a wrap-up show a couple of weeks back after the Free Your Mind conference where um, I was on uh, the Intel Hub radio show with Bob Tuscan and Freeman. And then last week I uh, had a great interview with Suzanne Taylor, uh, the maker of the documentary film about the crop circles called What on Earth? Inside the Crop Circle Mystery. Uh, all of the shows, past shows, as always, archived and will continue to be archived on the What on Earth is Happening website. You just go up to What on Earth is Happening and click on the podcast 
tab, and you'll see all of the shows archived from the beginning uh, right there with lots of related links and images and books and videos and everything you could imagine on that page. It's a, uh, a host of information in its own right. Uh, I hope that people will uh, be making much use of it. So uh, with that being said, I only have one other event announcement for tonight. Then I'm going to give the call-in numbers, and we'll jump right into the topic for tonight, which, once again, is the symbolism of Freemasonry. Okay, the one event announcement I have for this evening is Truth, Freedom, Prosperity will be hosting their monthly documentary screening and discussion night. This will be this Wednesday, April 27th, so that's tomorrow, as today is April 26th, 2011. So tomorrow, April 27th, at Media Bureau Studios. Media Bureau is at 725 North 4th Street, right here in Philadelphia. Truth, Freedom, Prosperity presents The Creature from Jekyll Island, a documentary by G. Edward Griffin, and... They will be following the screening by a discussion as they do each uh, last Wednesday of the month at Media Bureau. This starts at 7 o'clock p.m. and um, it'll go until about 9 or 9.30 and depending on how long the discussion goes. And um, it's free to attend if you can make a donation to help support the effort uh, you know, for the rental of the room and everything. It's much appreciated, but it's essentially free. Uh, for more information on the documentary screening nights that uh, Truth, Freedom, Prosperity hosts or any other events that they uh, put on here in the Philadelphia area, please visit their website at www.truthfreedomprosperity.org. That's truthfreedomprosperity.org. Uh, interestingly, uh, we just came off the heels of the End the Fed rally here in Philadelphia, which was also put together by organizers from uh, Truth, Freedom, Prosperity. And it was a great event. About 300 people turned out. Uh, they started at the Fed building and had some speeches there and then uh, did a march down Market Street and around the City Hall building here in Philadelphia and uh, over to a, a pub uh, down by the Delaware River. And uh, they had a lot of acoustic uh, acts that are all freedom-oriented, freedom-related music. And it was just a great event. A lot of people came out. A lot of people learned a, a lot. There was a big street outreach with thousands of flyers uh, given to the public to help to educate them about the immoral and destructive institution known as the Federal Reserve System. I think overall it was a tremendous success. People came out and had a lot of fun and uh, did a lot of outreach for the community. So uh, that was uh, this past Saturday, the 23rd. I'd have to chalk that up as a great success, and uh, there'll be more uh, uh, end the Fed slash Fed stock rallies uh, coming up in the future hosted by uh, Truth, Freedom, Prosperity. So that's definitely a group you want to check out if you're in the Philadelphia area. So next, let's give the call-in numbers for the show. For the first hour and a half of the show, there'll be uh, the talk shoe call-in, and I don't believe I'll be doing uh, broadcasts through talk shoe anymore after uh, this evening, because Oracle basically uh, archives all of their shows 
So um, I won't need this as a podcast archiving service. I will, however, for those who follow the show on Oracle, while I won't be uh, broadcasting it live, I'll have a new embedded player on the uh, website. Uh, I will continue to upload the podcasts uh, through TalkShoe. So uh, that will that archive there will continue to grow as I do more shows on Oracle Broadcasting. So um, the the how the show tonight is going to work is for about an hour and a half we're going to be broadcasting just on TalkShoe, and then the last half hour of the show I am going to connect in through uh, Oracle Broadcasting, and we'll be joining Bob Tuscan. Uh, Bob Tuscan is now doing his own show on Oracle called simply the Bob Tuscan Show, and uh, I'll be connecting in through that show for the last half hour, and uh, Bob will be talking about um, uh, me coming over to Oracle, um, the, the whole show, for all two hours. So that will be coming up in a little bit. But for the first hour and a half, here is the call-in number. If you want to call into What on Earth is Happening, call 724-444-7444. Once again, the call-in number, 724-444-7444. When you call, you'll have to put in the call ID number for this show, which is 8 3515. Once again, the call ID number for what on earth is happening is 83515. So, no taboo topics when you call in. Feel free to talk about anything you like. There never are any taboo topics here on what on earth is happening. Um, so, that's the, the event announcements and the call in number. Let's jump right into the topic, and I'll keep an eye on. The, uh, the phone lines in the switchboard here on TalkShoe while we break down some more esoteric symbolism of the craft Freemasonry. Here we go. A few weeks back, we left off on the first degree tracing board and we had also been discussing the legend of Hiram Abiff. I'm going to pick up uh, with the first-degree tracing board, we've already pretty much broken down most of the symbolism. Uh, for those of you who want to follow the images that I'm going to be talking about, they are right there underneath the player. Images for tonight's show, um, April 26, 2011, on the Radio Listen page of whatonearthishappening.com. So you click the Radio Listen page right underneath the embedded player. You'll see the images. There's 13 of them for tonight, and they're labeled Freemasonry. So image number one shows the first degree tracing board, which we have been extensively breaking down in, uh, in the, the last show, uh, which was about three weeks ago, where we were discussing this symbol, this complex symbol which is given to the first-degree initiate of the Freemasonic tradition. And for a very, very brief review, Freemasonry is simply a tradition in which natural law and morality is taught through a system of symbols, allegories, and rituals. Now, again, I am speaking of the real, true, esoteric tradition of Freemasonry, not necessarily what the Lodge system of Freemasonry in the modern world has become, and it is critical to make that distinction. For people that think that any form of the occult is one thing, 
okay? And indeed, this is a form of occultism. This is an occult tradition. For anybody that continues to make the grave mistake of thinking that any particular form of the occult is one thing, this is unidimensional thinking, and it is thinking that will lead one astray from what any of the particular symbols of any occult tradition actually mean in context where they are being used, okay? Because Freemasonry, as we've already said, is not one thing. It depends on who is wielding its tools. The occult is not one thing. It depends on who wields the occulted information, whether they are wielding the information to enlighten people and to bring it forward into the light so that more light can be fostered as a result of sharing that previously occulted information, okay? In which case, I would call it light occultism. A light occultist is trying to bring um, forward things that have previously been hidden and make people aware of things that they are not aware of that may be used against them as a weapon because they are, uh, they are pieces of information about the human psyche and the human um, uh, psychology in general that if it is known by people without one's uh, best interest in, in mind, uh, can be used as a weapon against those who don't possess that said information. So this is what the occult actually is. Um, we've talked about this at length in past shows, so I won't extensively review that material. But uh, the key thing to keep in mind here for new listeners, the occult is not one thing. Any particular occult tradition is not one thing. It depends on how it is being used. It can be used as a tool of enlightenment. It can be used, used as a tool of manipulation and oppression, depending on the consciousness of the wielder okay, of that particular set of tools or information. So going back to image number one, the first degree tracing board, we looked at pretty much most of the symbolism in here. Um, I wanted to touch on a few things that we had left off on. The, the initiates up that are going up the ladder here, and again, the ladder represents uh, coming out of base consciousness represented by the checkerboard floor, okay, and going up the ladder toward the realm of the gods, okay? We looked in astrotheology that all of the religions are based on the sun, the moon, and the stars and planets, and you see those in the sky above the checkerboard floor. This is known as the... Uh, the entire image is known as the Temple of Solomon, the Temple of the Sun and Moon, okay, because it is a symbolic representation of the individual, of their masculine or solar and their feminine or lunar aspects. Okay? It is an allegory, a symbolic allegory of bringing together the uh, feminine internal emotional qualities okay, or one's spirit or emotions together with the solar masculine qualities of right action. That's ultimately what this symbol is about. So it's unifying one's emotions and actions. In other words, becoming a non-dual being. What you feel, okay, you enact in the world. There's no contradiction between those two things. Okay, so there's no internal opposition. What you think, you feel, you do. That's it. Straightforward, fairly simple. 
the key in the middle held by the green initiate. We talked about the frequency green. We talked about it being the color of the heart chakra, the center of nature, the color green provided in greatest abundance, abundance by nature, the natural world. Okay, it's the color of the um, uh, Anahata chakra, which we talked about was you know, the, the center of self, the true center of self. Okay? It's the generator. Okay, this is why you see the initiate's robe shaped like a G. We talked about the G in the middle of the compasses and square on previous broadcasts, representing the generative principle of true care, what comes from the heart. What you care about is ultimately what you manifest. And that's the key to everything. That's the law of attraction. That's the generative principle. Uh, that is why that key is suspended there from that G, okay, the, or the green initiate. The green initiate is also holding an anchor because that is what anchors us in any of our uh, decisions, in any of our actions, ultimately. We have to care enough to get something done, to bring something into manifestation to do it. And that key is being suspended by a thread. Okay, and he here's the whole key to this entire uh, symbol. It's saying that in the world, Care dangles by a thread, and this is the key to everything. It's the key to unlocking everything, all of the, the causal uh, nature, the underlying causal nature of all of the problems that we experience as a species or as individuals um, is dependent upon that thread not being cut and the key dropping b below. Okay, so this is a a symbolic warning, if you will, okay? That key represents care. And it's the, 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 the initiates of this tradition, I should say the masters of this tradition who are giving this tracing board to the initiates are telling them symbolically, you're living in a world where care is dangling by a thread. That's, that key is the most important thing that there is. Again, symbolically, that key grants you access to the star gate, which lies at the end of the ladder. And that star gate is illumination. It is enlightenment, okay? And we're going to see how this makes even more sense in a moment, in a few moments, when we turn the tracing board onto its side, onto its right side, turning it 90 degrees clockwise, okay? We'll look at that in a few moments. Uh, some of the other things I just wanted to uh, touch on was some of the uh, symbolic language that is encoded into something like the tracing board, okay? First, we have columns, okay? And we looked at the word kalum in the French language. Kalum means dove, okay? The dove is associated with the spirit, okay? It's associated with the goddess, okay? Again, the green Initiate in the middle is a symbolic representation of the goddess again, okay? However, um, the, the columns themselves are wordplay. Col column, kalum, is wordplay for the dove, okay, or the sacred feminine principle. Care is what this entire thing is ultimately about. And this is why in the Freemasonic tradition it is said that we can only make good men better Okay, or I, I would re revise that because I horribly, horribly disagree with the idea of uh, masonry, even within the lodge system, uh, excluding women in the official lodge systems, okay, and putting them in a separate uh, 
uh, organization known as the Order of the Eastern Star. If you're talking about bridging the masculine and feminine, you need to take an integrative, uh, an integral approach when it comes to the sexes in your own lodge. And I understand all of the um, uh, all of the justifications that go for keeping that segregation in place and how it's tradition, et cetera, and how you know, oh, there would be different kinds of sexual dynamics going on in the lodge system. Nonsense. This segregation is part of what keeps people away from Freemasonry. And I wouldn't even recommend going toward the lodge system, period. But it, it puts a bad taste in people's mouth that this is what this institution, who is allegedly trying to teach this integration of uh, masculine and feminine uh, forces, indwelling forces, okay, um, it, it, it paints a bad picture in people's mind because uh, what they're doing uh, in their um, initiatory traditions is segregating men and women. Therefore, how can anybody think that ultimately what they're going to do, if they're doing that in a physical sense, uh, is going to raise people's vibrations in, in consciousness to come out of that level of duality, okay, that's expressed, that's symbolically expressed through their own segregation of the sexes. It, it's ridiculous. And it's something that, you know, the, the true light masons in this um, tradition need to take a good hard look at and admit that it's time to reevaluate that policy. But again, I'm not interested in lodge Freemasonry anyway. I'm just stating that for the record. That's what I think about that. Um, I'm interested in the real tradition of Freemasonry from an esoteric perspective, which no one needs to go inside any particular building in the world to understand and embody in their life. Just like I need to step inside no church to embody the principles upon which uh, true esoteric Christianity is based and which the teacher attributed to uh, under the name of Christ is uh, put forward and lived and then you know showed people that this is the way out of suffering and this is the way toward true enlightenment. I need, to, I need no affiliations with any church on earth to live my life according to those standards and ideals. Absolutely zero. Therefore, one needs zero affiliations with any institutionalized Freemasonic structures in order to truly embody, understand, and live the philosophy that is contained within the, free, the true Freemasonic esoteric tradition. Okay, so I, in those uh, ways, I could say that I consider myself an esoteric Christian, and I consider myself an esoteric Freemason. Okay. However, I belong to no institutions on the earth that um, structure themselves in a compartmentalized, hierarchical, and segregating way. All right, and never will. So that's just my stance and position on that. And for those who you know might have been curious about that, there it is on the table. So um, going back to the symbolism. Okay, because we have a lot to break down, and I want to try to get through most of the images here tonight. Um, the, the, the latter represents coming up to higher levels of consciousness and balance, because that's what this symbol is all about. It is about balance and synthesis, the, the merging of the masculine and feminine forces, the synthesis between them, uniting emotion and action. Okay, and that pillar in the middle represents that synthesis coming out of the world of duality, 
which is what the two pillars represent. And as you progress through time, represented by moving from west to east, okay, the western direction at the bottom, okay, away from the gods in, in the eastern direction up at the top, okay, you are ascending that ladder away out of uh, darkness and toward the light of the sun, okay? And you're going up the middle pillar toward the all-seeing eye. And we talked about the, the masculine uh, architecture on the left-hand pillar, the pillar of Jaquim, or the pillar of strength, as it is known, uh, is Doric, or a masculine style of architecture. The feminine pillar on the right, the, the pillar of Boaz, or the pillar of beauty, uh, is Corinthian in its architecture, which is a feminine style of architecture, and it leads to the moon. In the middle, you have the ionic pillar, okay? An ionic pillar. This is wordplay, again, just like the columns themselves, the kalum, okay? The column, it's wordplay, right? Here's more wordplay. The ionic pillar, okay? It leads to the all-seeing eye, which is turned on, the eye on, okay, which represents, as we talked about in many shows before, the awakened pineal gland or the third eye chakra, okay? So this is the spiritual vision that is turned on so that one can see the world for what it really is once they have acquired enough knowledge or understanding, which is represented by light, okay? And you don't climb that ladder unless you have the key, which is care, you have to care enough to make that climb out of darkness and into light or out of ignorance and toward knowledge, okay, in order to turn the third eye on, which represents balance. That's why it's in the middle between the sun and the moon, okay? The sun and the moon, or Solomon, okay, that is, it's the temple of Solomon, the sun and the moon. And the temple, okay, or the the um, cranial cavity where the temples are at, of, that, that's what holds the human brain. And it, again, this is about the left and right brain hemispheres being balanced or coming together to turn on the third eye or awaken the dormant, the otherwise dormant, if it's in a state of imbalance, if the brain hemispheres are in a state of imbalance, the pineal gland really doesn't uh, truly come online, okay, or activate or turn on okay, to grant one the spiritual insight or the spiritual sight that they need to see the world as it really is, okay? So they won't see all the controls. They won't see all the manipulations. They won't see the methods of mind control. They won't see uh, the flagrant violations of natural law and, and inherent human rights that are taking place all around us, okay? So this is a, a pretty much where I want to hold breaking down the individual symbolism, okay, we can talk a little bit more about some of the tools, okay, I believe I went briefly into that, you have the, the level at the base of the active pillar, that means our actions must be in balance, okay, you have the uh, plum leaned up against the feminine pillar, okay, this means that we have to govern our emotions and always keep them upright, try to maintain as much positivity as it is within uh our ability to, to maintain, okay, in order to, uh, you know, bridge our emotions and actions in a positive way, okay? Our, our emotions have to be upward, upright, because that's what the plum does. It allows one to build things upright, okay? And um, the square 
in the middle of the uh, uh, leaned up against the middle pillar or the pillar of wisdom marked by the W. This is also known as Jacob's ladder. Okay, the square in its inverted configuration there, or the point up, means that we have conquered our base nature. Okay, the base animalistic nature, um, you know, that basically results from staying in base consciousness represented by the floor of the house. This means we have come off the floor of the house, in other words, or out of uh, beast-like consciousness, okay, base consciousness, okay, being ruled by the fight-or-flight response, in other words, okay? The, the brain is not in a state of balance when we're in that modality of consciousness. The square inverted, okay, or turned up, upside down, okay, with the point upward, okay, not with the point downward as you see it in the compasses and square. That means that the compasses need to rule over our base instincts. When we turn it upside down like that, this is often the, the uh, emblem that is granted to the master of the lodge, okay, in Freemasonry, because it is saying that if one has attained self-mastery, okay, or mastery over one's own base instincts, they rule over the square. They have turned that uh, that base instinct, okay, or animal-like instinct, upside down. They have come up out of that mode of duality and um, just low consciousness, and they have ascended the middle pillar or Jacob's ladder, okay? So, wordplay all over this, okay? Not just with the columns. We saw it with the, um, the ionic pillar, the ion pillar, Okay, or you could even break it down further than that if you want to take it into you know again this is called green language okay alchemical language and you you don't have to think that every single aspect of this is planned this could be a form of synchro mysticism which we also talked about on the show in the past if you just break down the word ionic okay you could break it down to I then the word on then I again and the letter C. So I on, I see. Well, yeah, if the I is on, you will see. Okay, so this is word play. It's occult word play. This is called green language. Okay, and the reason it's called green language is because green is the color of balance. You won't see these things if you have an imbalanced brain. You'll only see these things if you can comprehend allegory. Okay? Comprehension of allegory is really only be begins to dawn on one in any kind of fullness when one has begun to balance the brain hemispheres. To a completely unconscious individual who has never studied anything, who watches tons of television on a daily basis, eats a garbage diet, okay, believes all the propaganda that's out there on TV and in the news, okay, uh, accepts human authority as something that is real, all right, lives their life in, in a state of base awareness, doesn't really care about anybody but themselves, they're not going to understand allegory. Th this symbol is going to be completely meaningless to them. And they're not going to begin to ever understand it until they start working on balancing the brain a little bit. All right? It could be said to you and told to you all, all I want. Okay? I can go on ad infinitum explaining the symbolism. But until somebody understands that in order to truly see this for yourself, 
okay, and not have to be explained details, every little thing, or, or even my interpretation of every little part of it, in order to really comprehend what's being said wordlessly through the hidden language of symbolism, the person's brain would already have to be in the state of green frequency, which is the balancing of the left and right brain hemispheres, the left, again, the red frequency, and the right brain, the blue frequency, okay? And this is why, again, these colors are used for dualistic purposes, okay? Sports teams, uh, political parties, police lights, etc., uh, news, you know, Fox News Red, MSNBC Blue, okay? Just watch how the frequencies of red and blue are used all around us in our culture, and you can understand why these are the colors of imbalance, all right? When we bridge those together, the third frequency of light, we're not talking uh, uh, pigment here, but light, is green. Green is, again, the fundamental center. It's the center of the visible spectrum, the center of the colors of nature, the center of self in the chakra system, and it is the color that represents bridging the left and right brain. That's why it's in the middle of everything, and that's why the initiate in the middle is green. Okay? So I think that's where I'll leave the first-degree tracing board uh, unless anyone has any particular questions about it. Um, I believe I did talk about the ashlars or the cubes of stone on the back. One is imperfect, one is perfect. The only way you get from the imperfect state to the perfect one is by going through the place of balance, which is the middle pillar that lies at the end of the spiritual uh, 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 journey of seeking, of seeking for truth. One could call the middle pillar the pillar of truth, again, because um, it is about the synthesis of uh, male and female. It is about the synthesis of solar and lunar and it is about the awakening process and the coming on of the all the turning on of the all-seeing eye which exists within us all. So, let's move on to the second image. Uh, we're going I'm going to try to break down all three of the uh, first, second, and third degree tracing boards if we have enough time this evening. Um, the second image there is a simple picture of the uh, great pyramids on the Giza plateau in Egypt. And the only reason I wanted to mention this is for something that will be coming in the future. Um, this is considered by many esoteric uh, occult researchers to be the true Temple of Solomon, okay? Or, in other words, the building that was built to embody the Temple of Solomon. The true Temple of Solomon is within, okay? Let's get that clear and understood. The, but if for those who are researching, was there ever an actual real Temple of Solomon, um, there is a lot of work that has been done through many researchers that talk about the possibility of the um, building that was built, the, the structures that were built to represent the Temple of Solomon in man, where initiations, occult initiations, did indeed take place, was at the Great Pyramid Complex on the Giza Plateau in Egypt. So here we see this image from Cairo, Egypt, of the three Great Pyramids, okay, uh, the biggest of which there on the right is the called the, simply the Great Pyramid. And these are symbolic analogs to the three pillars which we see in the traditions of Freemasonry and Kabbalah. Okay? And these traditions were are indeed this old. They do go back to the ancient Egyptian or Kemetian traditions, and they even predate those. Okay? 
go right back into antiquity and antediluvian times. Okay, so the three pyramids represent thought, emotion, and action. They represent the male, the female, and the synthesis of both or the child. Okay, so that's something that is there to just spark people's minds, spark their interest, and to put a seed in for something that we're going to talk about in the future. Okay, so I want people to understand that symbolically we will also often see pillars and pyramids used interchangeably. Okay, that's just a concept to just put out there again for something that I'll be talking about in the future. All right, so let's move on to image number three, which is the tracing board on its side, which I mentioned that I would be going into. Now we can see how this is a, a further exploration of the allegory that the, tra the first degree tracing board represents. When we turn it on its side, we clearly see astrotheology. For those who have been looking at astrotheology, okay, you can clearly see that this represents the sun's path with respect to the year, okay, with respect to the, the, the sun's path around the earth or the earth's path, path around the sun. Okay, it's basically the same thing, just depending on what uh, motion frame of reference you're using. Are you keeping the sun stationary or the earth stationary? It makes the same basic orbital path. And we see that due to the tilt of the earth, as I talked about when we went into astrotheology and looked at the astronomy, to create, you know, the astronomical aspects that are responsible for creating the season, which is the tilt of the earth uh, with respect to the plane of orbit, that it uh, makes going around the sun each year, okay? We get the, the seasons as a result of that, and the sun basically makes a sine wave in its path as it, um, uh, as it, it, it is, um, how can I word this? It makes a sine wave in its um, apparent path with respect to the Earth's equator, as the year progresses. And this just continues in this sine wave or serpentine pattern. If you uh, started, let's say, at the spring equinox, okay, and then you graphed uh, with respect to time, the, the, the graph would go, would go up like a sine wave until it hit the, uh, the summer solstice, which it would be at 23 point, the sun would be at 23.5 degrees north latitude with respect to the Earth's equator, okay? And then when you move forward in time, you would then go to the uh, um, fall equinox, and it would be at the zero degree point again, or at the equator. And then when you went down to the, uh, when you move forward in time more, you would come to the winter solstice, which is the sun's lowest point of power, because it is at the uh, 23.5 degree south latitude with respect to the Earth's equator. So the northern hemisphere uh, is not being favored by the direct angle of sunlight and that's winter, okay, in the northern hemisphere. So, uh, um, and this process would just keep repeating and repeating as you uh, graph it, uh, if you graph the sun's uh, angle with respect to the equator uh, with respect uh, to time, okay? So I could put an image uh, of this, uh, a graph such as this, to make it uh, easier to understand. I'll, maybe I'll post that in the podcast section, um, but... Essentially, that's what we're looking at here. We're looking at the Earth on the left-hand side, okay, on the west side of the tracing board, marked by the W, 
okay? And the east represents the sun, okay? The middle pillar here represents the earth's equator, and the, the two pillars represent the tropics. The top pillar, okay, the pillar of Joachim, the male pillar, or the pillar of the sun, or strength, represents the tropic of cancer, the time that the sun is at the uh, summer solstice, and it is getting ready to enter the house of cancer, okay? So that would be when it is at 23.5 degrees north latitude with respect to the equator. And that's symbolized at the top there on the right by the sun in its full expression, okay? The middle pillar represents the place of balance, which is the equator, okay? The equator is where the all-seeing eye is because the all-seeing eye only comes on when there's balance, between the brain hemispheres. See, everything, folks, th this is, should be no surprise to anyone who understands the law of correspondence, the principle of correspondence. Everything is a reflection of everything else just on a particular scale. The universe is self-similar across scales. As the individual goes, the solar system goes, the galaxy goes, the universe. Okay? The universe is like the, the atom or the, the subatomic particle. There's no difference. It's just a difference in scale. All right? So this is an idea of the journey out of darkness and into light being reflected in the solar system. The individual's journey is reflected in the entire solar system. And then it's further reflected in the, the even greater cycle of the galaxy. Okay? going around its center. So, to go back to uh, the, the symbolism itself, the checkerboard floor in this orientation represents the Earth itself. This is the Earth. These are the lines of latitude and longitude of the Earth. Okay? And the Earth is a place of density, of base awareness, essentially, as a whole. The idea is to come off of the ground, or the Earth, meaning stop identifying so much with the physical reality, right? Not, not living in it and uh, affecting change within it, but not identifying so much with it that you don't think that there's a spiritual reality, which is our source, okay? So that kind of materialistic worldly identification, thinking that you are the body, you are the roles that you play here on earth, is darkness. And that's why the bottom or base of the ladder is set toward the place of darkness, okay? Which is the lunar pillar there in this orientation of the tracing board, okay? The pillar, I'm sorry, the ladder is ascending. It's going upward toward the sun, out of darkness and into light. And as it comes out of darkness, it goes away from the earth or away from the so-called prison planet, okay, and toward the sun, the stargate. And now this is symbolic, all right? Again, the, the colors of the uh, prisoner's uniform are black and white in stripes. Well, we have something very similar there, the checkerboard floor of the house representing base consciousness, materialistic identification, worldly identification, etc., Okay, we come out of that, then we go up the ladder and out of darkness and toward light. 
Okay, and it's a stepwise progression. It doesn't happen immediately, right? It takes, it requires time to go from the bottom left there, which is still identified with the earth, up toward the realm of the gods and the sun. And again, the sun up at the top represents the sun at the summer solstice, the highest point of light, or this most strength in the northern hemisphere. We even have the directions marked, north and south. That's the pillar, the, the pillar of uh, Joaquin, or the S pillar, the pillar of strength, up at the top there, is uh, the Tropic of, can- um, of Cancer, okay, which is 23.5 degrees north latitude. Okay? So the sun makes its fullest expression there at, at the summer solstice. At the bottom, we have the pillar of Capricorn, okay? The Tropic of Capricorn, I, sh- I should say. The pillar of Boaz symbolically represents in this orientation the Tropic of Capricorn, all right? So this is 23.5 degrees south latitude. So we even have the directional markers showing us which way is north on the earth and which way is south on the earth, okay? And which way west represents darkness. If you're going deeper and deeper into worldly identification and uh, you know, base consciousness represented by the floor of the house, you're going toward the direction of west, which is the direction of death. Not life, but death. Okay? Darkness is the, the west. And in Freemasonry, there's also the idea that north is the place of darkness, and we'll get to that symbolism in a, in a few moments, hopefully, today. Um, but um, when we go toward the eastern direction, we are going toward the sun. We are going toward the light, the all-seeing eye, the sacred feminine as well, the bridging of the sacred feminine, the unison of sacred feminine and sacred masculine, and the opening of the all-seeing eye, or simply the realm of the gods, okay? Higher consciousness, okay? So I think that's pretty clear-cut for anybody who, you know, now has their eyes open to it. I think, um, you know, if this is simply explained in this orientation, it's fairly undeniable that this is what this represents. And uh, it took me years to understand this. No one told this to me. This was never told to me by any occult, even dark occult tradition that I was initiated into. I found that out, okay? I discovered that by meditating on this board, all right? So it's, um, it's something that really does need to be contemplated, all right, now, yeah, I threw the mystery right out there and put it on the table for everyone to just grab, but there it is. Okay? It doesn't mean you still can't look at this in wonder and awe and meditate on it yourself and find other things in it. And I'm, st- I'm, all- I'm constantly finding new things in this one image, this one set of imagery. Because, as I've said, this is a book. It's, it's not just an image, it's a book. Okay? It's the... the, the the complexity of the image and the spiritual nature of it makes it a book, okay? It's not just uh, a picture, all right? There's so much in it symbolically to understand about the world and life and the nature of things and natural law, okay, that it's unbelievable. It's truly a wonder. So this is the power of symbolism, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, if, if, you know... I know I don't probably do the best job of explaining how it all fits together and, and explaining all of the interpretations. I try to do, do it as well as I can to try to make people understand it, but 
You have to contemplate it yourself. That's ultimately what has to be done. And that takes time. You know, again, I said I looked at this image for years before I arrived at this understanding. Not, not days, not weeks, not even months, years. So uh, I'll leave the further mysteries of the first degree tracing board for you. And I'll stop there with that, okay? If anybody has anything to add to that, just feel free to call in. Call in number 724-444-7444, the call ID number 83515. Let's move on to the second degree tracing board, image number four on the website, okay? So the second degree is known as the Fellowcraft degree in Freemasonry. And here we see a, a depiction of the second degree tracing board. So you see, now you're seeing the porch of the Temple of Solomon, or the portico as it is known, okay? And there's a spiral staircase, and this is a critical element of the second degree, the spiral staircase used in uh, the symbolism and rituals of the second degree. There you see the two pillars, the initiate at the base of the steps and the, um, the porch of the temple uh, there with the spiral staircase leading up to the uh, first level of the temple, okay? So what this symbolically represents, and you see the light up at the top of this image as well in the triangle, and uh, there is a C there. I don't believe that is a G. And again, I would say that that represents true care, okay? But it's, it's, it could be used interchangeably there with the G, which is often you. Uh, we see everywhere in modern Freemasonry, particularly in the uh, Western Lodge uh, traditions. Um, but you also see the name of uh, God, the unspeakable name of God in the, uh, uh, in the uh, biblical tradition there written above the, uh, the archway. Um, you see yod Hey vav Hey, and we talked about that uh, name extensively when we looked into the tradition of Kabbalah and Tarot. Okay, so um, again, this, the Temple of Solomon was a temple built for God, the creator, by Solomon, and he commissioned the builders, Hiram, king of Tyre, and Hiram Abiff, Hiram Abiff being the chief uh, builder of the temple. We're going to talk more about Hiram Abiff tonight when we look at some more symbolism related with uh, Hiram Abiff and his death, Okay. And we're going to look at the, uh, the virgin birth again. I believe I alluded to it before, but I'm going to break that down, what that is a little bit, because we need to understand the symbolic associations between Hiram Abiff and Christ. Because, it, again, it is the same concept. It is that level of fully awakened higher consciousness or Christ consciousness that Hiram Abiff represents in the true esoteric tradition of Freemasonry. So, this spiral staircase leading into the greater mysteries of the temple of the Creator, okay, getting in touch with one's own divine nature, this is about going within, okay? That the spiritual journey is a spiraling one, okay? It's not linear, okay? It's not straight, all right? We saw in the first degree, yes, uh, time is required, right, to make that... Um, to make that journey toward ever greater levels of perfection. And that's what the ladder in that orientation represents, that it's a stepwise progression through time. However, what this degree is all about is the internal world. Okay? This is the 
This degree is probably what I would consider to be the most important degree in Freemasonry. And it is the least understood, and it is the one that people are passed before they should ever be passed. I feel that almost every Freemason who calls themselves a Freemason should never have been passed the first degree. In other words, they should not have been granted the second degree because, and I'll get into this for, for a bit because it's very important, in the original mystery traditions, okay, the initiate who wanted to go further or into the deeper degrees of the mysteries, which is what this second degree represents, again, coming up the spiral staircase, which you cannot see the top of as you are going up, up it. It is a journey of faith. Okay? You have to have faith that it leads someplace to continue the ascent, which requires will to ascend up the spiral staircase. It also represents that you cannot see what is unfolding ahead. Okay? It, it must unfold naturally as you go forward. Okay? So this is also an idea not to give up. Okay? In the journey, don't concede. Continue to press forward. Because eventually, an incredible vista opens up with sublime mysteries represented by that archway at the back past the checkerboard floor, uh, which has the creator's name etched under it. Okay? So, to, to truly enter the temple of the creator, the temple of God, so to speak, it's an inward process that requires a journey of faith. And, and I don't mean faith like believing in dogma. I'm talking about faith in yourself, okay, that you have the tools that you need and will be provided with what you need to go forward in the journey that we're all on in this physical domain, okay, which is a spiritual journey, all right? So moving up this ladder, okay, uh, up this staircase requires faith and will, and it's a process that really isn't an external one. It's an internal one. Okay? This whole degree, the fellowcraft degree, is all about the sacred feminine. All right? Just like the, fir the first degree is that, that, mit that base, okay? it's, it's the first step. The second step is about truly going inward. The first step is about understanding that you don't have all of the knowledge that you need and that there are other people who do have a lot more knowledge than you that you need to maybe be led to, which again symbolized by the cable toe, which we talked about, uh, that you've been blindfolded or hoodwinked, and that you have to understand first and foremost that you don't know a lot of things. All right? And that's one of the most that's one of the things that most people will never admit to because they're in such ego. They want to think they have it all figured out and that there's nothing more that they could know or come to understand, that nobody else could possibly teach them, that they have all of the information about life that they could ever want or need, and that information is essentially useless. Okay? You, you see this? I saw this the other day at the end of the Fed rally. You know, People who think, oh, I have enough information. I don't need to take any information out of your hand in the form of a flyer. You know, I can't be bothered for that. And yet, you saw people coming up as well asking for information with lots of questions, curious, hungry, with a desire to learn. So you, you had some encourage, encouraging situations there and some deplorable situations. It's a combination, but we continue to press forward and do what we can.
So to go back to the symbolism again, um, the spiral staircase, the journey of faith, the journey of will, the understanding that time unfolds in its course. You may not be able to see what's just ahead, but eventually that vista will open up to you and you'll you know, basically be at another level at that point. So this is about spiritual evolution represented by the spiral staircase, okay? And again, the light is the goal, which is up at the top level, all right? So the second degree is this internal qualities within the individual, and it's all about care. You need to care enough to ascend that staircase. You need to have the will to ascend it, and you have to have faith that you're ascending it for a reason, that there's a purpose behind that journey that requires care and will. Okay? And there is a purpose behind it. However, it is my contention that, again, 99.9% of the people who are past this degree, and again, the first degree of the entered apprentice is called being entered, okay, or interred because it's about coming out of the grave, the spiritual grave of darkness, Hiram Abif, in, in, uh, entombed, in other words, to come up to that first step, to want to know, okay? Then the second degree is called fellow craft, and it is about being passed. That's what you are called when you're granted the second degree. You have been passed. This is a reference to the ancient mysteries, okay? The ancient mysteries were structured in such a way that the, the apprentices would only be passed into the further degrees of the mysteries, okay? Or in other words, taken off of the symbolic porch and then granted access to the true level of the temple, okay? Sim- symbolized in the tracing board there. They would only be granted that if they were able to display a particular level of understanding. And this level of understanding had, has everything to do with this level of Freemasonry. And this is why it is my contention, and I know that sounds cryptic right now, but I'll, I'm going to ask a question in a moment, which is the all-important question that can ever be asked, really. And... Only those who would truly be able to answer the question, and I, I, I believe I have actually answered this question in previous podcasts, and I often say this thing, but I'm not going to directly answer the question. I, I'm sure someone will be able to provide the answer. Maybe I'll do another contest like we did with the uh, whole idea of um, uh, uh, what is the, uh, the only thing from which the Philosopher's Stone can ever truly be distilled. Uh, And, you know, uh, we did that as a contest for the Free Your Mind Conference, uh, free tickets for the weekend. Um, The answer was the human imagination. Human imagination is what actually opens one up to the wonders that are inherent in the universe and helps us to really create what is known as the Philosopher's Stone. We did a contest of that in the past. The human imagination is the only thing that can ultimately free our minds and get us out of uh, base levels of awareness and mind control, but um, maybe I'll do a, a contest about this uh, on the What on Earth is Happening page. Maybe uh, I'll take, uh, yeah, let, let's, uh, since we're going down this direction, let's just follow this path, okay? So let's say, yes, we're going to do a contest. I'm going to ask the question tonight. Um, we're going to start opening up the answers um, for 
people on the first show on Oracle Broadcasting next week. How about that? All right, so we'll have a little bit of fun here and learn a little bit along the way. So uh, the contest is going to be this. In the mystery traditions, there was a question that was asked, asked of the lower-level initiates, and they needed to display an understanding, or they needed to essentially correctly answer this question if they were going to be granted any further uh, entrance into the deeper mysteries. Okay, and yes, this is a form of this was a form of control. Um, I will not permanently control the answer. We'll give the answer, um, uh, but I think that people should be given adequate time to think about this question and to try to answer it on their own. And here is the question. The question is, how does one know that one is suffering? That's the question. That's the question of the mystery traditions. And again, I've probably said this before on the show for people who are paying attention or actually, you know, listening. Um, you probably know the answer. Um, so if you do know it, don't call in and give it tonight. Let's let, leave this for next week. Okay, anybody answers, I'll come up with a suitable prize. I don't know what it'll be. Maybe, uh, um, I don't know, we'll think of something. Okay, but for now, um, the question, okay, when, uh, I'll, I'll think of a prize and mention that on, on the show when we start the show next week, and we'll take, uh, we'll take people to answer this question on, on the air. Okay, but the, um, the question is, and this is the mystery tradition question, and I would say that this is indeed the question of the second degree of Freemasonry as well. Okay? This is the question that would have to be answered correctly all right, to be passed into the further mystery traditions. And I feel it is the question that, should, that the initiates of the Freemasonic tradition should have to display an understanding or a mastery of, in order to be taken further into that tradition, okay? Because so many people consider themselves higher-level Freemasons, and they don't have the answer to that question. And that's what this degree is ultimately all about. And that's why to go into the further, uh, higher-level knowledge, represented by degrees three and, and further, okay, you need an you need to truly display an understanding of the answer to that question in your own mind and heart. And, you know, there's even a hint right there, okay? Um, so I'll repeat the question again. And this is the question of not only all of the mystery traditions, but particularly the second degree of Freemasonry known as fellow craft. The question is, how does one truly know that one is suffering? And how do you yourself know that you are in a state of suffering. Okay? That's the question. So we'll take answers to that next week, and there'll be a prize of some sort. I'll think of something. Uh, maybe uh, me and Barb or me and, uh, and another couple of friends will think of some kind of a, uh, of a gift or prize that we could award to the winner of that uh, the, the first correct answer to that question on the air next week. Okay? So, the... Clearly, I will not be giving that answer tonight, uh, so we won't be looking at that as uh, another aspect of the tracing board, the answer to that question. We could do that next week. But, 
again, this second degree tracing board, again, I just want to help people to understand this is all about the internal qualities of the individual. This is about what you ultimately hold within, inside. It's about the spiritual journey, which is a journey within, not in the external sense. And that's indeed what the Temple of Solomon represents, again, as we talked about uh, many times. It's, some, it's an internal process, and it's a symbol representing the self, okay? So, um, I don't have any other particular things that I want to break down on the tracing board uh, as far as symbolism goes, so we'll leave that tracing board there for now, okay? And we'll look at it a little bit further when we uh, go into the answer of the mystery tradition question, Okay? which is, once again, how does one truly know that one is suffering? Okay? So let's look at image number five, which is the third degree board. Okay? The third degree board is a coffin. And at the top of the coffin, right, there is a sprig of acacia growing out from the, the grave that this coffin is in. All right? West is at the top, east at the bottom, south on the, on the um, left side, north on the right side. There is a skull and bones, a skull and crossbones on the coffin. We have the compasses on the top. We have a circle. We have some Hebrew characters. We have some Masonic cipher there in the middle on the yellow um, uh, rectangle. We have a scroll with a pentagram on it. We have three masonry tools being a level, a 24-inch gauge, or it may be a plum, and a setting maul or a mallet, okay? Yeah, I believe that is a plum there, okay? So... This is the third degree tracing board or the master mason. Okay? Clearly, for those who remember the legend of Hiram Abiff, this is a reference to Hiram Abiff and his grave. Okay? We talked about Hiram Abiff being accosted at the Temple of Solomon. Okay? And again, he is the symbol of truth, he is the symbol of uh, one awakening, the process of awakening, coming to the light of truth. Okay, being initiated into the mysteries and coming up higher in them toward more light, okay, toward greater understanding. And he is accosted at the temple by the ruffians who strike him with uh, three tools, including the setting maul in between the third eye, which um, puts him down. And then King Solomon has to dispatch uh, a crew to go and find him find his body, which was scattered by these ruffians. It was basically broken up and scattered, and um, he has to be actually reunited with the lost word, okay? And again, that's pretty much unspoken in the true, in the lodge system of masonry. I said several weeks back that the lost word is indeed the concept of equilibrium or balance because it is a lost modality within the human species, that must be reclaimed. So equilibrium is that lost word or modality of consciousness that brings Hiram Abiff back to life. 
which brings the spirit back to life, which brings the understanding of our own spiritual nature, represented by Hiram Abiff, back to life. Okay, so this is indeed his coffin, and his coffin is sealed by the skull and bones. Now, we know that the skull and bones is indeed called the order of death. The secret society known as the Skull and Bones is a, is a rogue lodge of dark masonry. The elite groom people to come up into this system that's, that's um, basically feeds into think tank institutions and military industrial complex institutions, etc., government, banking, you name it, religion, okay? Uh, one of the most vile of the dark occult traditions, the skull and bones. Uh, and the reason that the skull and bones are used as the symbolism of this institution is because, as we said, and I've said many times previously on the, on the podcast, um, this is symbolic. The symbol is symbolic of thoughts and actions, okay? So intelligence and will, right? Intelligence is in the skull, the brain, right? And the crossbones represent will, action. However, the spirit is dead. Okay, so psychopathy, not having any emotions, burying the emotions, burying the spirit. That's Hierobiff's grave. What is it killed by? It's killed by the dynamic of having intelligence and will without care. And let that sink in. I mean, this should be, you know, an empowering understanding of symbols here. And I've had discussions with people who have said to me that the understanding of that symbol eluded them for so long, but then when they they hear hear that explained, it makes such sense that it's like a bomb going off in their brain. Okay? And it's true. These symbols are there to awaken people and to help people to understand concepts about life and living and the right way to live. This is a warning, this tracing board. Okay? It's a warning not to kill the spirit. Because if you've killed the spirit, it's in a grave, and you're heading in the western direction, which is the direction of death, away from the light. So this is saying, you've already gone away from the light. The spirit is dead. The idea is to help spread the rejuvenation of spirit help foster the rejuvenation of the spirit, of the the knowledge of spiritual nature that we all share, the spark of the divine that is within within us all. So the the three tools are the tools that murdered Hiram Abiff, put him in his casket, and indeed that was done by the skull and bones. And I don't mean by the order of the skull and bones or the order of death. I mean by the, the concept of having intellect and willpower, but yet leaving our spiritual nature out of the equation. And that's what puts Hiram Abiff in his tomb. Okay, we see the three Hebrew letters, hey, 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 the first name of Hiram Abiff. Okay? And if we transliterate those into numerology, which is done in gematria, which we've talked about, okay, this is the fifth letter uh, the, the the number five is associated with hey in Hebrew. So this would be five, five, five. And that is Hiram Abiff's number. Whenever you see triple five, that is a reference to Hiram Abiff. 
Okay? And it's a reference to the spiritual nature. And we see the five-pointed star there on the left with the point in the middle of it. This is the star of Venus, okay? The morning star, the light, okay? It is the sun. It, it represents the sun because the point with the line around it, you'll notice this pentagram has a point in the middle of it. So it's actually a combination of two symbols. It's a combination of the Venus star, which is the goddess principle, the sacred feminine, okay, with the point upright, okay? And then the dot with the circle around it is a symbol of the sun. So this is the symbol of the combination of the sun and moon coming together, the temple of Solomon. And the builder is Hiram Abiff who is dead if we dismiss or discount the spiritual nature that we all have within us and that we all share, that we all are all part of. The idea that is that if we do integrate that spiritual side or the goddess principle, the generative principle, true creation, okay, we will awaken out of this slumber of believing that we are the body, okay, and come out of this grave. And the hope of that resurrection, not only within a single individual, but within all of humanity, is that sprig of acacia that is growing from the top of the tomb. And it, it's something that we can grasp. It's a, it's, a spir, it's a symbol of spiritual rejuvenation. That's what the acacia represents. So whenever you see acacia applied to Freemasonry, that is what it is saying that the spirit can be rejuvenated, okay? And that's what we can use to pull ourselves out of the, the grave that we are in as a species, spiritual death, okay? I, um, I uh, am always reminded of the words of one of my favorite uh, rock um, artists, uh, Dio, Ronnie Dio, um, who has since passed... He died, I believe, last year, and I think it's been a whole year. Uh, there was a song that he had lyrics to. Uh, they wrote lyrics to when he was in uh, when he was originally in the band Black Sabbath. He said, "Kill the spirit, and you'll be blinded, and the end is always the same. Play with fire, and you'll burn your fingers and lose your hold of the flame." And this just to me represents such a magnificent understanding of the concept of kill the spirit and the end is always going to be the same. Intense suffering until you understand that's the true nature. You're playing with fire when you do that. The third degree is a warning to always keep your actions geared toward the true will. Helping to not only help your, yourself, but helping others to ascend in their spiritual understanding. And the symbol of this entire degree is the trowel. Because once you have that key in hand and that understanding in hand, you are supposed to spread it and never deny anyone true knowledge as you understand it. Always disseminate what you know as long as someone is receptive, as long as someone you know, wants to know, you're not forcing it on them, but you're telling them, and you may even put it out there so that they hear it at least, okay? You can't force anyone to accept or believe anything. Trust me. 
I think anybody who's pretty awake has tried that. And I do think that we need to be vocal and never stop talking, never stop spreading this message through the voice. Okay? Um, you can't unhear something. Seeds are planted through the voice. That's what the trowel represents. Go out and spread the word, the lost word. Spread the equilibrium by what you know. People will come to a place of balance once enough people are in this vibratory energy of consciousness, of higher consciousness, and once they're speaking it, the, the voice has to become louder and louder and louder collectively. More people need to know this so well that they become teachers of it. Okay, so I don't know if I have much more to say on the third degree board because I think that pretty well covers it. And basically that's, uh, you know, what it's all about. It's about spiritual rebirth. This is about the second birth or symbolically the second coming. Okay, this is being born again. You were born physically into a world of darkness, put under mind control, and then being born again is relearning or remembering your spiritual nature, represented by coming out of that coffin, okay? Which, let's look at number image number six. And here is perfect example, coming out of the coffin. Hiram Abiff, coming back to life. There we see him in the coffin. And folks, it's no coincidence that Hiram Abiff looks like Jesus in this image. That's not a coincidence. <laughs> it's deliberately designed like that. Okay? Because it's the same conceptual idea. Jesus was the light of the world. Hiram Abiff is the light, the spirit. Understanding your true spiritual nature. Being in the world, but not of it. Coming out of the tomb resurrecting, rising back to life after being dead. There's the numbers 555, as we said, the skull and bones, the, uh, at the very top, the um, square inverted, the three tools on the coffin there near the bottom with symbolic temple of Solomon in the middle, the upright pentagram with the all-seeing eye in the middle and the light streaming out of it, representing man's spiritual nature, I covered this extensively in, the, in my Free Your Mind conference uh, uh, presentation in which the pentagram was a, a, a huge uh, symbolic um, reference in that presentation. We saw how it is used extremely subversively when it comes to the military and the police. But that's another presentation. There's the sprig of acacia over his head. Okay, and he is called the widow's son. Why is he called the widow's son? Because, again, he is the neocortex, enlightened, balanced, in equilibrium. Okay, and this is made possible through the connection to the sacred feminine part of the brain the right brain hemisphere, and specifically also the limbic brain with the positive aspects of the limbic brain, the positive emotions, not the fear aspects of them, okay? 
true connection through emotions to other people. All right? And when we integrate that emotional, those emotional qualities that are the internal qualities of the being, and we integrate those with our actions, that's what awakening, that's what true spiritual awakening is all about. So, he's the widow's son because the R complex, the base brain, is the controlling father figure. Okay? It's the oldest part of the brain evolutionarily. So it's the reptile complex. The midbrain is the mammal brain. And then the higher brain is the human brain, the neocortex. So we have to conquer the base instinct part of the brain, not, not conquer it. That's not even the right word for it, okay? It, it's going to be there, but it needs to be there as a tool for when it is required, like a hammer. A hammer is a tool. You use it. If you build the house with a hammer, or even if you use it as protection against some kind of a predator, right? You wouldn't, the hammer would not take over your house and say, since I helped you build this place, I'm taking over. No, you would pick the hammer up when it was required and put it down when you're finished using it. Well, that's what the lower parts of the brain are like. They're tools, they're, it's there for when we need them. Yeah, we need them for basic motor skills and respiration, etc. But if we dwell in that part of the brain and we get locked into the identity that is brought on by chronically living in that part of the brain, fight or flight mode, pure survival, you know, in a fearful sense, adrenaline constantly pumping. Talk about adrenaline at the Free Your Mind conference a bit at the beginning. How when we live in the base brain, you know, the kind of negative effects it has on the entire brain function. So, that base brain, the R-complex, is that father that needs to be mastered, let's say. It needs to be checked, put into its place. Symbolically, it needs to be conquered, okay? So that it is essentially gone. It does not rule us, okay? It has been conquered or put down. Therefore, from the positive aspects of the emotional brain, the midbrain, we bear the sacred child of the neocortex, the light. Okay? If you're confused as to the symbolic un, unwrapping of this, these concepts, go back and listen to the podcasts about the brain. But essentially, these three structures within the brain are the father, the mother, or spirit, and then the divine child, which is masculine. Okay? Because it is a it ultimately is what governs our actions and, and allows us to think critically and make decisions about how we will act the neocortex. As such, since it is born of the divine mother or the mammalian brain, the limbic brain, once the base instincts of the R complex have been conquered, it is said to be a virgin birth or the birth of a widow's son. Okay, the widow is the woman whose whose husband has died. So, in in the the base, if the base brain is viewed as the husband, and the midbrain is viewed as the the uh, wife or the the widow, okay, whose husband has died because the base brain is no longer in in rulership, right? 
she then gives birth to the neocortex, which is the divine child, the son. Okay, so this is what the this is what the um, virgin birth is all about. Okay, the same thing in Christianity: the widow's son okay, is born from the mother who has no who ha- has no um, relationship with the father. Okay, so the widow giving birth to the son. It's the same as saying the virgin birth. The virgin, who is not known man, okay, or the, the mother who has not known the father, okay, nonetheless gives birth to the male child. I hope that's clear to people and they understand what's being said here symbolically through the language of the widow's son, who is Hiram Abiff, who again is symbolically Jesus coming out of his coffin. He is the Masonic Christ. It's the same allegory. But again, people don't understand this unless you understand the, the esoteric side of Freemasonry because it's all teaching the same story. The, these are symbolic individuals. It's all about you being raised. And again, the word raised is something that we use with respect to our children most of our children, ladies and gentlemen, are not raised. Most of us are not raised. The word raised is a Masonic term. Go back to words and wordplay. Okay? We are raised when we understand the answer to that question that I posed. You can really answer that question. You're raised. You really know the answer to it in your mind and heart, and you don't even need to be told what the answer to that question is, and you know it. How does one know that one is suffering? That's how you know you're raised. And I would suggest there's very few people in the world world that are truly raised. Not to be negative, just to be honest. And I certainly would say that most Freemasons in the Lodge system of Freemasonry are unraised. They are unraised. And I don't care who that pisses off or makes angry or, um, you know, puts a bad taste in their mouth because I said that. Most Freemasons in the Lodge system are unraised. They, they don't have that key in hand, the true key from the first-degree board. They don't understand the second-degree board, and they're not really out of the coffin of the third-degree board. Okay, They haven't really made the journey up that spiral staircase. They haven't gone up the ladder. They haven't ascended the middle pillar. They haven't come out of Hiram Abiff's coffin or grave. They haven't truly received the lost word. And they certainly don't have the key of the mystery traditions in hand to understand the answer to the question of the mystery traditions. That's the true key. So... We'll find an appropriate uh, little reward or gift, you know, a uh, a little gift of uh, appreciation for the first person who calls in next week with the answer to that question. So let's move on to the next image. So there's Hiram Beth coming out of his coffin, and we understand why he's the widow's son now. We understand why what the virgin birth is all about, and it's, these are just reflections of each other. In the next few images, we're just going to see a repeated theme 
of um, the pillars, okay? And see different ways that they are shown in Freemasonry. And we're going to see imagery that has already come up over and over again. Okay, in image number eight, we have the master's carpet. That's what this image is called. And we have, again, the three steps representing the first three degrees. We have the coffin at the bottom or the base. That's what, incidentally, folks, this is why they call people the dead. And I don't mean real Freemasons, okay? Yeah, dark Masons, okay? Dark occultists call people the dead because they have not come out of that coffin. They're still on the, they're below the floor of the house in this image. They haven't even gotten to the first step. They call them the unbegun. They have not been born again. They have not even started the ascension in, in uh, the spiritual understanding and the spiritual journey. So that coffin is there at the, uh, at the very floor, at the ground level. Then you have steps one, two, and three, entered apprentice, fellow craft, master mason. Here we see the three candles of the lodge and a little uh, representation of a, an altar. Um, this is indeed what altars in the middle of uh, free Masonic lodges look like. I could actually probably post a picture of it as well. Maybe I'll post uh, uh, images of my um, journey to the uh, Grand Lodge with, uh, with this podcast um, so you can see some uh, imagery from inside of an actual Freemasonic uh, temple. But um, the coffin down at the base level, the first th three steps representing the first three degrees, and then the three candles represent the sun's position in the sky as it makes its arc across the sky each day. Not the yearly position of the sun, but the daily position of the sun. The sun rises in the east, makes a arc across the southern portion of the sky, and then sets in the west. So that's what these three lights represent. And the north has no light in it has no candle because it is considered the place of darkness because the sun during its daily trek does not traverse the northern part of the sky. It traverses the southern part of the sky in the northern hemisphere, that is. Okay? So we'll, we'll break this image down a little bit more uh, either later or next week, depending on what we have time for. I know Bob is going to want to have uh, some questions for me and uh, uh, then we can maybe take some questions from the audience. So I'm going to connect in with um, Oracle Broadcasting right now, and we'll be uh, on the Bob Tuscan Show for the last half hour of the show. So bear with me as I connect. Here we go, folks. Calling into Oracle Broadcasting right now. Okay. And Bob Tuscan will bring us on the line in a moment. You have reached the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network call-in line. After the beep, please say your name and where you're calling from, and the on-air host will take your call momentarily. Mark Passio from What on Earth is Happening. Chat window, and I didn't realize they had it off and closed. I guess they opened it automatically, and all of a sudden I hear Alex going, yeah, we're doing, we're doing sound checks, sound check one. They were on doing sound checks already? Uh oh no. So right, like, Mark's with us now. Uh, do you, have you met Mark Passio, by the way? Popeye? No, I have not. Mark, uh, this is Federal Jack, a.k.a. Popeye. Hey, how are you? I've heard you on uh, on the Alex Jones show. Oh, boy, your connection just did a, a crappy sound 
Try it again, Mark. Can you hear me now? Yeah, try it again. Keep hey, talking. How are you? I, I've heard you on the Alex Jones show, actually. Okay, Mark, I'm going to have to reconnect the call. I'll be right back. Uh, keep it. talking to your listeners. You got it. Okay, so uh, having a little bit of technical difficulty with the sound there, but I'm glad we got this far in the uh, symbolism breakdown of uh, uh, different components of Freemasonry. Uh, we have a, probably another half of those Andrew. images. Yes. Okay, Mark, you sound a little bit better. Hello? Great. I can hear you fine. Okay, we're ready you're, you're crystal clear on this end. Yeah, yeah, and I reset the call, and you are as well now. And Great. I'll let you guys talk later sometime, uh, and uh, I'm sure you guys will have a lot to talk about. Uh, Popeye, thanks again for coming on, man. No problem, Bob. I'm, i got to get my, my uh, stuff together because i got to go deal with that, that train wreck. So yep. I'll, see you, I'll see you on the train wreck later. See you, buddy. Bye. All right, folks, uh, listening to Mark Passio's What on Earth is Happening podcast. We've got a special announcement, as I'm sure he's told you. Stand by. We'll get to that in just a second here. But first, let's get back into the show. I see what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you at hempusa.org. What on earth is happening? Well, folks, somebody who takes a deep look at the occult and on today's show, Freemasonry symbolism is none other than our good friend Mark Passio. Mark had a recent uh, field trip, I guess I can call it, with Freeman Fly of Oracle Broadcasting, who does his show every Saturday. And Mark, we have a special announcement uh, that I've been teasing throughout my show today, and I'm sure you have with your podcast. Uh, And let's jump right into it before we get back into your slides at whatonearthishappening.com and a look at Freemasonry symbolism uh, as you've been getting into throughout your show for the last couple of weeks now. Uh, Mark is a longtime friend of mine. I'll, in effort of uh, full disclosure, I'll just get it uh, on the record here, folks. So, of course, I'm, I'm partial to anything that uh, puts Mark in the spotlight. Uh, but, uh, Mark, I'll let you go ahead and share the good news. Okay, great. Thank you, Bob. Thanks for having me on tonight. And um, it's official. Uh, I'm going to have my own two-hour show here on Oracle Broadcasting starting this Sunday, uh, May 1st, uh, at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. 5 to 7 p.m., that's 4 to 6 p.m. Central. So what on earth is happening right here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network starting this Sunday, May 1st, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Great. And, and that's going to be, of course, in the Intel Hub radio show's old Sunday spot. Uh, so it will be the same great content, and we'll continue to stay in touch with Mark. And now, Mark, uh, that you're doing your own show and you don't have your podcast within my show, we're going to have to have you on as a guest more often and, and be able to talk uh, more candidly uh, rather than uh, just have you present your stuff on the show because now you'll be able to do it uh, on your own slot, and, and I think it's a great slot, and I think the listeners at Oracle Broadcasting will really be uh, excited to hear that you're joining the family. All right, Mark, uh, let's jump into tonight's topic. You've been talking a lot about Freemasonry symbolism, and uh, let's get back into the slides that you have, again, at whatonearthishappening.com. Sure. 
So uh, for the listeners who may be joining us uh, on Oracle Broadcasting, you can see these images at whatonearthishappening.com. If you click the radio listen page on the left-hand side of the site, right underneath the player, it will say images for tonight's show, uh, April 26, 2011, and then there will be 13 images listed that you could bring up in a uh, slideshow within your browser. We were uh, going through these tonight, and we left off at image number seven, uh, we finished up through image number six. Before we get into image seven, what I just want to say here is that people need to become aware that the occult in general and any of the uh, uh, traditions associated with it, um, to think of these things in a unidimensional way, meaning to think that they are all one thing, meaning all good or all evil, is very naive. We have to understand that these are sets of tools, They are sets of tools, and they are tools that help us to understand and delve deeply into the human psyche and and the subconscious and our psychology and our nature, okay? So that these tools, once understood, once being grasped firmly in hand by the wielder of them, may be used for great good or great ill. It depends upon the level of the consciousness of the person who is wielding that tool, Okay, that's the first thing I want to make clear. The second thing I want to make clear is that this is a tapestry of information, which, if you haven't been following along with it through my other podcasts, may not make full sense until some of the prerequisites, the prerequisite symbols are understood. So it would, I would highly recommend going to the podcast archive on my site and making your way through that information in which I break down this symbolism in a stepwise progression, in a building block fashion, so that when we get to more complex symbolism, as we are going to do now, uh, it will be more readily understood. So with that in mind, with those two uh, little caveats in mind, let's jump into image number seven on whatonearthishappening.com on the radio listen page. This is uh, a stylized representation of, again, the Masonic pillars, which we've been looking at. And we saw the first degree tracing board having these two pillars uh, uh, as their main theme. Uh, indeed, three pillars. Um, and here we see these two pillar, this theme of two pillars uh, repeated again. But this is in an older alchemical um, uh, representation. This is used in the alchemical tradition of alchemy. Okay, and it is also sometimes used in Rosicrucianism. So. These are the same conceptual ideas represented as we saw in the first degree tracing board of Freemasonry. However, there's a little bit different uh, of a take on these. We see that uh, they are indeed marked with the letters of the first name that they are given, the pillar of Joaquin and the pillar of Boaz, J and B, the light pillar on the left there represented by the sun up at the top and uh, a lighter uh, shade to it. The the, uh, darker pillar, the pillar of Boaz, on the right there, has the moon atop it, okay? And we have the alchemical symbols on these pillars. Now, I'm going to go into this a little bit to help people to understand what these symbols are at the bases of each of these pillars and at the top or apex of each of these pillars. At the bottom, we see on the left-hand side an upright equilateral triangle that is segmented. Okay, or that has its top uh, um, basically um, uh, cut. 
okay? And then at the right-hand side, we see an inverted equilateral triangle that is segmented in the same place. So it's like the, other, the symbol on the left there just turned around 180 degrees. Um, on the right-hand side, let's start there, okay? That symbol is the alchemical symbol for Earth. And as we talked about when we looked at uh, on previous shows, when we looked at the uh, tradition of, of uh, Kabbalah, and we looked at the, the tarot tradition, we saw that this symbol uh, represents what we have at our disposal or our resources that we come into the world with or happen to acquire in the physical world as we live. So these are our, uh, th this is basically uh, the situation we may be born into, okay? It may be what physical or monetary resources we have at our disposal. Okay? It may be uh, resources in the form of people that are around us that may help us along the way. Okay? Um, it is essentially uh, situations and resources in the physical world. Okay? And it could also be innate talents and characteristics. Characteristics that really, you know, we could grow that if we put time and attention into them. But, you know, certain people are simply good artists. And they're, they were good from the time that pretty much they were very young. Mm -hmm. Some people are natural musicians. Some people are naturally gifted dancers. There are innate, innate, I'm sorry, innate characteristics and qualities and talents that we do carry within us that would sure. seemingly not come from uh, experience. Okay? Not I, everyone can sing an opera like uh, Bob Tuscan can. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. So that's what this symbol represents, our resources that we have at our disposal and how we're going to use them in the spiritual journey that we're all on, how we may put those to use. This is why it is at the bottom of the dark pillar, okay? And now, the dark pillar is not necessarily negative, okay? It is simply uh, what we would consider um, uh, material-worldly identified, Okay, it is the, the feminine pillar. Okay, but the base of that pillar, we, we need to understand that we're we're making the journey from the dark side of things to the light side of things. From the moon, if we can look at it again, we don't want to look at this as net positive or negative, right? We could see that these are inherent things on the right hand side, or these are internal qualities on the right hand side. Right? That's why they are lunar. They're marked by the moon there at the top of the pillar. Mm -hmm. And on the left hand... You've been getting a lot of questions, Mark. I don't mean to interrupt, but we'll come up to, uh, to a break here. Sure. You've been getting a lot of questions about the left and, and right brain, uh, and, and this is very interesting stuff to me. So when we get back in a little bit, let's pick it up uh, right from there. Um, what's more to come? So uh, what will we be breaking down later? Yeah, what, what's, what's still um, to come? Well, we, I had some more uh, images of these pillars to show different representations of them. I was going to break down the uh, tracing board, board of the Royal Arch degree of the York Rite, and I was going to look at a symbol that is uh, uh, classically used to represent the, uh, the uh, sacred feminine when it comes to Freemasonry, which is the uh, uh, depiction of the goddess uh, standing at the broken column. Interesting. All right, well, we'll get into that in just a moment, folks. This is the Bob Tuscan Show with Mark Passio with What on Earth is Happening, now on Oracle Broadcasting starting this Sunday. And, of course, folks, his website, whatonearthishappening.com.
well know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over five years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey guy offers a amazing... Hey, Mark. Do you have hey, the Bob, clock up? Sorry, I didn't hear you. Do you have the clock up? Um, I do not, but I can bring it up right now. Yeah, bring it up just so you get in the habit of... Sure. Looking at, you know, the back end clock I'm talking about? I do, I do. Hold on. You still have that login? Yes, I do. Um, cool. Getting ready to log in. Hold on. They'll hook you up with your own login once you start. It's on there. Great. Not that it, it doesn't really make a difference, but you'll need it because, well, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway. I'm logging in right now. So that left and right brain stuff, those are the, that's kind of what you were discussing there, right? Yes, exactly. I mean, that's they're trying to make us what? More right brain, more left brain? Oh no. Um this this symbol is about the importance of combining both brain hemispheres into a synthesis, uh, a union of, of seemingly opposite so that we come online to our higher spiritual nature and basically become enlightened. Um, that's kind of like the trivium, uh, you know, where, where we have the trivium and then the quadrivium. Right. The quadrivium is more right brain and trivium is more left brain, I guess, in a sense. As a matter of fact, um, symbols of the um, symbols of the trivium are in one of the images that I was going to bring up tonight. It's on image number 12. You can see the Pythagorean wow. uh, triangle there with the, uh, mm -hmm. with the squares that represent, you know, the uh, three, four, five uh, right triangle. And that is a depiction of the, uh, the uh, trivium, quadrivium, and five senses. Hmm. Wow. There you go. So that's an image number 12 there on the right-hand side of the, uh, the uh, Temple of Solomon there. Let me see this. Well, there it is. Yep. Sure enough. Cool. Well, we're coming back on Oracle Broadcasting as well as 1650, our AM affiliate that just started picking up the show. And uh, that's pretty cool. They're a fairly uh, large AM station. That's awesome. It's, it's also an oh, image yeah. number eight if you're looking at the uh, images of the master's carpet. Mm -hmm. It's there on the right-hand side once again. Yeah, I, I hope all of your listeners pick you up on the offer to follow along because it helps. You know, it's a good point of reference. Anyways, we're coming back uh, in a uh, second. Stand by. Good day. Mike Chambers Live from 11 to 3 p.m. Central Time here on the Oracle Broadcasting Network. Okay. We're taking a look at some of the symbolism, and whether or not we believe it, or look believe in it, rather, it's not really important because the powers that shouldn't be, they love this stuff. They, they put this stuff right in our face, and they know that we can't read the symbols. Therefore, we can't see what's really going on. But our friend Mark Passio has a wealth of understanding of what these symbols represent, and, and Mark, I'll, I'll let you jump right back into it. I think the main thing to keep in mind is ultimately that these are symbols that tell us about us. 
And that's why there's such a power differential when it comes to the so-called powers that be over the masses who do not understand these things. What these symbols are all about at a fundamental level is what's going on in our psyche. And again, if you have knowledge of that and you know how that works, you can manipulate if you were so inclined to do so people who do not have that knowledge. It's, it's simply a power differential through knowledge. And if you can occult that knowledge, right, you can then certainly wield it as a weapon against those who uh, it has been occulted from or hidden from, which sure. is all that word means. So we were looking at image number seven, and this is a alchemical depiction of the, uh, the uh, pillars of the Temple of Solomon, sun and moon, okay, uh, Joaquin and Boaz. And we were looking at the symbol at the bottom representing the resources we have at our disposal and understanding the pillar of Boaz or the, the lunar pillar itself represents the internal qualities of the individual. And we can see that at the top because we have an inverted triangle with no separation between it. This is the alchemical symbol of water. Water, okay? And this represents the emotional dynamics that take place within an individual. Okay, so this uh, earth would be your resources, okay, and then at the top of the feminine pillar, we would have water, which represents emotions. So we need to develop care first and foremost before we start making the journey, uh, regardless of what we have or do not have as far as resources go that anchor us, you know, in the physical world, right? Regardless of what we have or do not have, in order to start making, truly making the journey out of darkness and into light or away from uh, the, the dark and toward the sun, okay, we need to um, care enough to do that. To come out of darkness is to come out of ignorance, and to go toward the light is to go toward knowledge. That's what these concepts symbolically represent, okay? So we see that then the journey uh, continues at the base of the pillar on the left-hand side, the pillar of Joaquin, the solar pillar. Now, this is the alchemical symbol of air. And air, in the, in the symbols of alchemy, represents intellect or knowledge. Okay, So you're, you're starting with base resources. You have to care enough okay, in order to begin that journey to, out of darkness and toward light. And then you... You go to the base of the pillar of Joachim, and you see that represents the beginning of knowledge. You're coming out of darkness and into the light, and that is the symbol of the intellect, okay? So that's air. The journey is not finished by just knowing, however. See, that's called the basic concept of understanding. But understanding is, doesn't, isn't the thing that really puts you toward true enlightenment, what puts you toward true enlightenment is acting upon what you understand, okay? So wisdom is the application of knowledge in a way that serves that which we truly are. So the very top of the left-hand pillar there, the solar pillar, or the pillar of action, again, the, the lunar pillar, is, we shouldn't look at it as negative. We should look at it as internal qualities, okay? The emotions are internal qualities. However, action is an external quality, okay? So the top of that solar pillar is there, uh, that upright triangle represents fire, okay? 
fire represents action alchemically, symbolically. Okay, so these are our actions. What these two pillars are ultimately about are the internal qualities of the being on the right-hand side and the external qualities of the being. Okay, so what we know about what's going on around us and what we do with that knowledge on the left-hand side. Now, the idea is to synthesize them or unify them, to bring them together. And you see the left-hand side, the Latin word pater. Pater means father. And on the right-hand side, the, the stream of light coming out of the... Uh, so the left-hand side, the stream of light coming out of the sun says pater, which is father, because that's the male side. And then on the right-hand side, we see coming out of the lunar uh, symbol, the, the moon symbol, mater, which means mother. So father and mother, male and female, coming together to bear the child, the sacred child into the world. And that child is the synthesis of our emotions and our actions. We can't simply know that something is right or feel that something is right. We have to act upon it. We have to act with, with right action in the world. Take right action in the world. Not just know, but to do with, with what we know. Again, I've said on my podcast many times, a great philosopher from the East, Yang Ming, said that to know and not to do is not to know. You don't have real wisdom if you're not actually acting upon what you know. To just say, I know that, and, I, and I'm done, is a, a spiritual huge mistake. Because uh, wisdom entails action. Okay? It's not just a feminine principle. It's a feminine principle combined with the masculine principle of action to create a manifestation in the world, which is symbolized by the third pillar, which would be the child. Now here, it's symbolized by the union in the middle, that circle with the, the two triangles joined, okay, is the symbol of physical and divine worlds, okay? It basically means bringing the kingdom of heaven to the earth, okay? Making this place a better place, more in line with our true spiritual divine nature, okay, that is a part of all of us and that we are a part of it, okay? It is improving the world in which we live for ourselves and our posterity. That's what that circle in the middle represents. And you can see down at the bottom where uh, this uh, checkered floor is, you'll see that as a theme throughout Freemasonry and other occult traditions. If you look at the word down there, uh, it's inverted uh, and it's in Latin and it says inferius. Inferius simply means the lower, or the inferior, okay? And then at the top, above Pater and Mother joining, and you see the, the um, uh, other symbols of the uh, planets, the planetary symbols, or the gods, so to speak, symbolically, in the heavens, we see the word superior written, which means the greater, or the superior, okay? So that's, the divine world is at the top, the realm of the gods of higher consciousness, and the lower world or the earthbound consciousness, the material identified consciousness, is the lower world. And our goal is to bridge those and essentially through higher consciousness or through climbing these pillars to make the physical world a better place or much more like the divine world, the spiritual world. So that's, what, that's all contained in these symbols. Uh, and again, this is my interpretation of them. I think I have a pr fairly good handle on all of this symbolism as I've studied it for many, many, many years. But hey, there are other interpretations. My word isn't final on anything. 
you might contemplate upon this symbol and find things that I've never seen in it. So that's what I would encourage people to do because contemplation bridges the brain hemispheres. It uses the left and the right brain simultaneously and it helps to bring us to the place of balance, which is indeed where we need to be if we're going to uh, turn on our third eye and ascend to a higher mm-hmm. modality of consciousness. Well, they want to continue to go after our third eye. And, uh, of course, fluoride calcifies the pineal gland, which is that tiny organ in the brain that scientists believe is the center for spirituality. It's the place that secretes DMT when we sleep and when we die and when we're born and so many other things. Uh, Mark, we'll get into that at our final segment. Um, Sure. Let's see here. And, uh, about the actually, pineal this, gland. this is our final segment. Yeah, about well, the this pineal is our final gland. segment, so wrap it up. Can I wrap it up on the pineal gland? That's a great place to wrap sure. it up. Sure. If we look at image number eight, you're going to see a symbolic depiction of the pineal gland. The pineal gland, again, is the third eye chakra, or the one eye, okay, that sits right in between the two eyes that we have, right? So on image number eight, called the master's carpet, which I was beginning to break down earlier. I'll continue that this next week. We see that image right. of the one Very good, eye. Mark. Yes. Thanks so much. Uh, looking forward to your show on Sunday. Mark Passio, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we'll see you next time on the Bob Tuscan Radio Show.